Welcome to Live, Laugh, Talk. I'm your host, James Graham, and I'm elated to be with you. Today, we will start our podcast with a discussion about loving and being loved entitled, I Love You, Really? Then we will transition to our segment, How Do We Get Here?, followed by our hobbies and special interest section, and then conclude with our sunflower message, which is our happy note for the day. The topic that we will begin with is entitled, I Love You. Really? Let's take a listen. As I look at the cuff that was given to me, and you might be asking, what is a cuff? It's a bracelet, but the box said cuff, so I'm going to call it a cuff. But as I look at this cuff given to me, I ponder the words written on it. It reads, love is patient. Love is kind. Love has no end. Direct quote from the Bible. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love has no end. Within the parameters of the biblical definition of love, few of us have truly experienced Surely, we all have had individuals tell us they love us. As a matter of fact, nothing warms the heart more than those three words. I love you. There's no other word in the English language as powerful as the word love. If you don't believe it, just look at the thesaurus and see if we can replace love with any other word and maintain the same emotion. As when I love you is said. Let's try it. Let's put it on for size. Let's replace the word love with one of his synonyms. I adore you. Mm, not the same feeling. Matter of fact, if somebody walked up to me and said, I adore you, I would probably question their motive. How about, I cherish you? Mm, Not the words to make the heart melt, is it? Only I love you can make our pulse rise. We easily accept it when others say those words to us. Oftentimes, we never question their spoken love. We presume upon it. And then we reciprocate. Unfortunately, we find out frequently that their love is not by definition. It doesn't be patient. It's not kind. And it has an end. Actually, it's safe to say that they never really love. And how does one know for sure if they're truly loved? Well, love has to be tested. 
not by our constantly questioning those professing their affection. Of course, their reply would be, sure, I love you. And sadly, those words are rarely heartfelt. The true test comes through trials. Now, we all hate to experience trials, but they're necessary to life. Without them, how will we know how far our loved ones will extend their love for us? How will we have a clue? Oprah Winfrey once stated, Lots of people want to ride with you in the limo, but what you want is someone who will take the bus with you when the limo breaks down. How many of those around you would be there with their bus token in hand? Interestingly, it is easy to examine the love others have for us. Now, for some, this leads to paranoia and believing any and all love shown for us for some reason, is a reason of conspiracy. But we also have to examine our own love and motives. See, we have to let the words on that cuff of mine be our mirror. We have to look at ourselves. We have to ask the questions, are we kind? Do we demonstrate patience? Will we unnecessarily end relationships? In other words, do we truly love others so that they can reciprocate? Now, it's rewarding if you do. It's rewarding if you love people. You can give away dollars and cents to the point that you become poor, but no one is ever poor by giving love. When we talk on the subject of testing love. I have to be honest. I've gone through some tests in life that has really shown me who loves me. When I lost my mother, that has and is the hardest thing that I've ever had to go through. It changed everything about me. This podcast will be a, an hour long or better if I could tell you all the ways I changed and the pain that I constantly go through, miss her dearly. We'll save all of that for another podcast. But the point that I want to make here is as I went through that, even at the beginning stages, when I first lost her. There were many around me who told me that they loved me on a daily basis until it was time to show it. I was left by myself too often. There were those who lived close to me who I didn't even hear from. Oh, they were around on a daily basis and everything was good and James was his old self. But when James needed these people, he needed their emotional support. Literally couldn't find them. Not even a phone call. Not a text. Not any words of comfort. 
But while life was good, the same people telling me they loved me. Was it truly love? I've been through situations in which my life changed. Things weren't as they once were. Hardships kicked in. Hardships in every way. Emotionally. Financially. Spiritually. And any other lead that you can think of. Where were they? Where were these loved ones? I love you, James. Nowhere. At all. You know, 50 Cent put it best. In the song, 21 Questions. He said, girl, it's easy to love me now. Would you love me if I was down and out? Would you still have love for me? I've pondered that. Now, I'm not saying be paranoid and question everyone's love for you. That's not what I'm saying. But valid question. Maybe a valid question to the person. Of course, they're going to say, sure, I, I love you, but hmm. He went on to say, could you love me in a Bentley? Oh, it's easy to love somebody riding around a Bentley, right? Could you love me on the bus? I'll ask 21 questions, and they're all about us. Maybe we need to take the time to ask some questions. Maybe we need to follow in the pattern of our boy 50. We might jump in too fast. Someone says, I love you, as we spoke of at the beginning of this discussion. We jump in, start reciprocating. But that love hasn't been tested. You know, around the holidays, that's a time that a lot of people think of loving and giving of themselves. And they do it in gift form. Oh, they just spend thousands of dollars. It doesn't take thousands of dollars in gifts. True love is free. We shouldn't just depend on a day, a holiday. That one day to fill us with joy. We should joyously live by giving love. See, we got to give love too. And we should be giving love 365 days of the year. 366 on a leap year. And we should also demand those around us to live by the true meaning of love as well. Never allow ourselves to compromise and accept half-hearted love from anyone. Allow trials to assure the love of those surrounding you. Ask questions. Because when one show you their true colors and possibly break from your fold, it might hurt for the moment. But you're rewarded by having only the best and the ones that love you the most, that truly love you in their corner. You won't 
to be like a boxer. In your corner, you want to have your supporters, not the enemies. Maya Angelou put it beautifully. She says, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. It's easy to say I love you. Show me. And when you show me that you don't, I got to believe your actions, right? We all should. We can't control what others say. But the next time that we say I love you, let's make sure that we meet. Jules Renard says, and we'll say this in conclusion. That love wasn't put in your heart to stay. Love isn't love until you give it away. Today's How Do We Get Here is based on a subject that is near and dear to my heart because I love our children. And it's about teen pregnancies. I opened up an article the other day and it stated how the rate of teen pregnancies has gone down. And me like you, I was excited. About it. I'm like, wow, we're seeing a decrease in teen pregnancies. Fantastic. Well, I wasn't ready for what they call a decrease. In the article, it mentioned that three in 10 American girls would get pregnant during their teenage years. Three in 10. So that's 30%. Again, we may not be the greatest mathematicians, but that's not hard to, to put together. So if I had 10 young ladies in a room we're saying three of those young ladies will be pregnant before the age of 20. That's almost 750,000 pregnancies a year. Now, of course, someone mentioned to me earlier, I was talking about this to one of my dear friends. And she may mention, well, there are some people who are married at age 19. There are some people who are in the military or have a job. But we're not talking about these individuals. Honestly, they're, they're uh, responsible young people. What we're talking about is that nearly 89% of teenage births that occur outside of marriage. And honestly, I am I'm thankful for her mentioning the responsible ones. Because when we read these articles, we forget about them. There are some who are responsible, can raise their child. But this 89% cannot. Somebody else is raising them. That could be the child's grandparent, what have you. But it ends up outside of the child's responsibility. Now, what does that do to our community? What does that contribute to society? 
Well, I hate to be the one that throw a bunch of statistics and throw a bunch of numbers at you. But sometimes we need to talk about the numbers. It said that children of teenage mothers are almost three times as likely to end up in prison. Three times as likely. And that problem and others associated with adolescent childbearing will cost society an estimated $29 billion a year in expenses and lost productivity. So that's tax dollars going into this $29 billion. One of our former presidents, President Clinton, he said, if you just think about all the bad things that can happen to kids, they're more likely to happen for teenage parents. If a million children became pregnant each year, we face the prospect of dramatic social decay. How true that is. He spoke truth. Children born to parents. Oh, should, let's just break it down. We're going to talk about it a little bit later, the young men uh, involved in this. But for our females, 17 years old and younger, children born to them are 50% more likely to repeat a grade in school. They seem to perform significantly worse on developmental tests. They are more likely to be born prematurely and 50% more likely to be of low birth weight than if their mothers had waited four more years to give birth. Daughters are 83% more likely to become teenage mothers themselves than those of women 20 years and older. And overall, the children are twice as likely to be abused or neglected. Any child born to an adolescent comes into the world with strikes against them. And even though we look at the disturbing findings and reports and hope that this gives a, a wake-up call to Americans and find workable solutions to the devastating issue of teenage parenthood, we all know that the government can't solve these problems. Because when the government look at it, they look at social determinants. And some of their social determinants that they've come up with is well, low education, low income levels of a teenage family. These things can contribute to high teen birth rates. I have to call them out on that. I, 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 I'm sorry. I see another factor. The factor that I see is no parental conversations, or very little. Growing up, again, I have to keep repeating myself because I know people think that I'm over generation is 60, 70 years old. I am not. But growing up, I had discussions with my parents. Matter of fact, you know, as a, a young man, I had more discussions with my mother than I did even my father. He was there. I mean, he participated. But my mother constantly talked to me about the pressures that you face as a, as a young man, as a young lady. The hormonal rage that happens. Are parents having these conversations today?
in addition to that, I grew up on, on Prince. So nobody can sit here and, and tell me about, well, the entertainment industry is different. No. See, I grew up on entertainers having sex in their songs. I grew up on Rick James. We can go back and examine some of this music. Nothing said then that's not said now, except for the fact that now it's every record on the radio. Have you taken the time to listen to what your children are listening to? And again, we're not blaming entertainers, but we've got to stop and, and think about if we take in anything, any subject all day, every day in our ears and our eyes, it's going to have an effect on us somehow. And there's no way if you're at an age of a hormonal rage that you can listen to it every day. You can see it every day. It's easy for children to get on porn sites. We're not. A box says, are you 18? And they're going to sit there and lie and say, well, no. And then, no, they're going to click the box. And they're going to watch. So you take this in to your senses. What's going to happen? In addition to that, we, we got to touch on a real subject here. These kids aren't by themselves. What I mean by that is we got to talk clearly about statutory rape. Real issue in this country. Okay, so we locked up a singer. We locked up a, a man who ate at Subway. We lock up famous people and, and, and then all of a sudden everybody's happy. It's not about locking up the famous. What about the ones walking the street every day? See, that's a major problem. The Center for Children and Families in New York said a major problem is men in their 20s and older, much, much older, who prey upon young girls. We're going to say girls, because that's what they are. Children. This is a problem that has become an epidemic. Because we can't say it's just the 15-year-old being out here not listening, not doing this and that. They're getting with each other. That's still happening, though. Still a problem. But we got to talk about the grown men that are having sex with our children, bringing children into the world that are unwanted and are not cared for and apart of the problem. When we talk about 750,000 children having children per year, my friends, that's an epidemic. And no matter how much that number has fallen over the years, it's not enough. It has to get better. There has to be a change. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is how 
did we get here? For our special interest part today, I would like to bring up the fact that one of my special interests, which should appeal to everybody, is exercise. I got to tell you a little bit about me. I was at one time almost 300 pounds, like tipping the scale right there. If I ate a sandwich, I was right at 300. So got in touch with a doctor because I was having some health issues. And he told me I've got to come off the weight. So the first thing I decided I was going to do, I said it in my mind, I was going to do it. I said, I'm going to start running. I've always admired people who could jog. So I woke up one morning, I put on my gear, and I jogged to the mailbox. That's as far as I made it. And my yard's not that far, so that wasn't much of a job. But it was a start. Pretty soon, I got a little bit beyond that mailbox. Then I was able to make it to the end of my road at the stop sign. Next thing I know, I was running around the whole neighborhood. And pretty soon, I was running three miles a day. I have not been able to keep up the three mile a day routine. But I am able to jog and get out there and enjoy the, the fresh air at times. And I tell you, the endorphins kick in. I feel so much better. And I'm able to even cope with things that go on in the day. It makes me mentally sharper. But I've added more things to my exercise routine. That's why I don't do the whole three-mile thing anymore. Because now I've added weighted jump ropes. Enjoy it. Uh, it gives me a little bit more of arm strength as well as agility. I do weightlifting, but not bodybuilder style. Not going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger or, or The Rock or anything. But I do a little bit of weightlifting just to, to keep structure of my body. And also, I've added on biking. And I'm rather tall, so I had to find a pretty tall uh, bike to, to exercise on. But I enjoy it very much. So I've added more to the routine, and it's not so rigid. But there are many things that, that are out there to do today that are fun and people will find it enjoyable to exercise. You know, doctors say we should get, you know, at least an hour, no less than an hour in a week. Well, of course, my doctor told me more than that. But if we just analyze that hour, if we got 20 minutes in every other day, three days a week, something like that, we could get that hour in. What are some forms of dance that, um, I mean, of exercise that we could do? Well, one I just mentioned, there by accident, dancing. Dancing is a fun form of exercise. I, I looked up some fun exercises online, and you can do the same. They're listed 23 different ones. Uh, dance is mentioned, and I know a lot of my friends who dance. Uh, some go to formal dances, Zumba class. But whatever it is you do, even if you're at home dancing to your favorite song, it's a fun way to burn some calories. 
Another thing that I like to do and have done is hiking. Hiking could be wherever you want it to be. You can take on a, a super steep and rocky climb or a mellow saunter along a mostly flat trail. The important thing is you're outside. I have friends of mine who box and kickbox. I mean, we all can't be Rocky Balboa or Adonis Creed, but if you get in 30 minutes, that gives some great cardio for those of you who see that as fun. Also, there's water exercise. Now, me, I'm not much for bodies of water, but people get into the pool. It's a great cardiovascular workout, and there's less risk of injury. There's even things like water aerobics available in many local areas. Now, I have a yoga ball and I do a little bit of stretching, Pilates style, but there's nothing more popular right now than yoga, Pilates. There's even yoga Lattes. There's hot yoga that people tell me really gets strenuous. And when they turn the temperature up, you're in there. And I know people have said that it relaxes the muscles and their overall body looks better. They gain that core strength. A friend of mine has joined a pole dancing class. She says that she's gained muscles in places that she didn't even know you could gain muscles from pole dancing. So you don't have to be an exotic dancer or about to be in the next movie of striptease or anything to use this as a workout. Many have found it to be enjoyable and also they've developed those muscles that they were looking for. Also, there are facilities that have volleyball, basketball, even rock climbing. These are ways to really get in a good workout while enjoying yourself. And for some people, a nice brisk walk in the evening. Great for couple building as well. So let's get out. Let's do some fun things. And in that, develop a body that's healthy. We're not talking about different shapes we need to have or muscles we need to build or any of those type of things. If you're getting out, you're having fun, you're exercising, you're getting yourself healthy, and that's what matters. And that's my special interest because I enjoy these things. Now that I've gotten started, you can't get me to stop. Look forward to seeing you in the gym. The sunflower message is our send home message. It's a way to get home on a happy but we shouldn't just use this on the day of the podcast because in life, there's going to be many things to kick us in the knees. So we should think about these things, whether it's a poem that we shared, a song, words of affirmation. We should come back to this section when it seems like the world is beating us up because this is the part that lifts us again. Today, we're going to have a living message. You see, my friend Darius, in a casual conversation we were having, mentioned that his grandmother 
will be 103 years old this month. You heard me correct. 103 years old. That's beautiful. That's a wonderful thing. And her grandson and everyone I've talked to about her have nothing to say but beautiful things about their grandmother. She's a treasure to them. Well, I got to thinking, what are some of the things that our beautiful grandmother has seen in the last hundred years? She saw the prohibition. She saw the end of the prohibition, the Great Depression, the New Deal, the Empire State Building being built, Pearl Harbor, the Holocaust, women going to work in factories for the first time, Jackie Robinson. She got to see the Civil Rights Act, the Vietnam War, L.A. riots, the first Super Bowl, first man in space. There's some things that we're going to mention that's not so fun. We got to see things that we wish we hadn't, like the introduction of crack cocaine, AIDS happened. There was attempts on individuals' lives, like Ronald Reagan, Pope John Paul II. But we're going to get back to the happier stuff. Well, she saw a plane successfully land in the Hudson. She saw Y2K and no, the world didn't just end. She saw 9-11, unfortunately. That came about. And in our more modern times, we had other tragedies. But we also had the first woman elected to the Speaker of the House. She got to see a pandemic. Well, I got to thinking too, hmm, what about the president she's seen? Yes, guys. She's seen 17 presidents. 17. She saw Franklin D. Roosevelt, FDR, Harry S. Truman, Dwight Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy. I'm not going to name them all. We'll just get to a few more. She got to see Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan. She got to see a father and a son, both elected to the White House. She ended up seeing the very first African-American to take office. Not once, but two terms. And what did she see greater than all of these things? She saw her children, her grandchildren her great-grandchildren, and her great-great-grandchildren. I'm Miss Gladys. Thanks for being our inspiration and a joy to your family, a joy to your friends, and a beautiful lady in the community. Yes, we wish you many, many more years to come. And we want to tell you that you're our sunflower. You're our happy message to take home. We want to thank a few people today. 
I want to thank Raina for her contributions to the teen pregnancy discussion today. She has a way of challenging me and also bringing ideas to light. I want to thank her for that. I also want to thank Darius for dropping Miss Gladys off right at our doorstep as our sunflower message. We hope you enjoy this airing of the Live, Laugh, Talk podcast. This is James and George's baby boy signing off until our next show. And we can't wait to talk to you then.